Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. Well, in Judges chapter 5 and verse 7 is the theme scripture for my wife's kind of sense of calling that she carries in her life. And I couldn't help but think about it this Mother's Day. And it's spoken by a woman named Deborah, and it's coming up on your screen. It says, village life in Israel ceased. Ceased until I arose. Arose a mother in Israel. Village life in Israel ceased. Ceased until I, Deborah, arose. Arose a mother in Israel. And this is an amazing verse and I love it so very much. And I think one of the things that's so powerful about this verse is it makes a reference to what Deborah describes as village life. And in ancient times, people lived in one of two locations. They either lived in villages uh, and the villages were really the center of agricultural communities or they lived in cities and the cities were places of fortification, places designed to really preserve a nation when a marauding band or an opposing army would come out to threaten that nation and to try and destroy it. The places that would survive the onslaught of the enemy were the people that were living in cities. So people that lived in cities were more secure, they were more stable, they were well protected, but they were also kind of hidden away from one another. They lived uh, fortified lives. And as I thought about Mother's Day and really thought about um, the amazing role that our mums play, I couldn't help but think about the Scripture and consider the fact that really there are two kind of lives that people live in our society today. We live either a city life or we lead a village life. And I'm not talking about whether you live in, you know, uh, Omokaroa or whether you live in a massive uh, uh, CBD location. I'm talking about whether you and I are gonna live a life that is a city life, meaning it's kind of fortified and individualistic, uh, hidden away from the world, or whether we're gonna live a village life. And village life, meaning that it's not fortified, it's not protected, it's not separated from those that are around you. A life that is open, receptive, to others, connected, interactive, not not trying to keep people out and keep people away, but allowing people to get in. And Deborah makes an incredible comment that I think is incredibly uh, profound and important when we think about Mother's Day. She says, village life, village life, a connected life with others, um, embracing people, living in a world that, that, you know, I'm gonna care about those that are around me. Village life ceased, ceased until I arose, arose a mother in Israel. And I love Deborah's heart, I love her passion. I mean, literally in the passage that she's talking about, that, that, that season of time, she led Israel's armies in war against an opposing army. I mean, she was so committed to people being able to live in interactive community that she decided, I'm gonna go to war against some things. And Deborah is by no means the only mum who's got so sick to death 
of things that are stopping people from being in community that they've just risen up and decided, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand in the gap, I'm gonna believe for something. And, and I think this is an amazing verse, not just for every mum that is hearing this message today, but for every person that is hearing this message today, because I believe that God's desire for us is a village life. You know the saying, it takes a village to raise a child? There's probably been no more important phrase than that one in our day and our era. And, And when it comes to Mother's Day, I think Mother's Day has never been perhaps more challenging than it is right now, because societal ideals are trending towards individualistic ideals. And really it's all about what you can get for you, how much wealth you have for you, what kind of lifestyle you have for you, and the pressure even on mothers to be, you know, not just, you know, kind of spawn some children, but also to, you know, look perfect, uh, have a career as well, because, you know, you're not supposed to just be a mother. And all these factors that come our way make it very challenging for us to remember that village life, village life is very much the heartbeat of God. God did not come to our world and comment that being an individual fortified unit is His desire. In fact, the first piece of commentary God ever made about humanity, He made us. uh, And then in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that He looked at Adam and the first thing that He said was, it is not good for man to be alone. Meaning that living this individual life, living a life that's all about me and my fortified world and my own kind of individual deal is not good for us. It doesn't, it doesn't breathe life, it doesn't breathe health. And no matter what you see in a magazine or what commercial goods are attempting to be sold to you in the form of dreams to get you and I to be more individual, I believe the heart of God for us is that we would reclaim village life. Can somebody say amen to that? I I believe that God's desire for you and I is that we would live connected lives with one another. I mean, man, if we've got a challenge today, it's this notion of a village life. I mean, we have, we have, we have invented you know, garage door openers and air-conditioned homes, and with it, you know, we now roll up to the house in our car, we press a button, the neighbor might be mowing his lawns, but you don't even have to see him. You drive into the garage, if you're anything like me, you press the button while you're still in the car to keep the weather out, you get out of the vehicle, walk into your air-conditioned home, and you might never ever even open a door or a window, uh, and if you do, you step out into your fortified little arena with, in most cases in New Zealand, a fence that's around it, in my suburb, they tend to be the high fences and we live in our own little city, our own little block, our own little life. And then we tend to think, well, you know, the people that are outside of it, they are the way they are because of the product of their choices, their decisions. And so society is very, very much geared towards we live in our cities, we live for ourselves, we live for our own little means, we do our own thing. And it should be of no surprise that whilst, we, whilst we're increasingly going after a city set of values, that motherhood is becoming less and less valued. Because if there's something so central to motherhood, 
it is otherness. If motherhood is anything, it is a decision. I mean, not that I am one, but you know, commentating here that you know, if you're gonna be a mum, you are not going to exist for you and what is preferable to you in your own little bubble. You're gonna open yourself up to somebody else. You're gonna live for the desired blessing of another or others in your world. Motherhood is about an awakening that's saying, I'm not going to be self-centered anymore. I'm letting go of the city life. Is the analogy holding? Can you understand what I'm saying? I'm not gonna live for me and my fortified little arena. I'm gonna live for the village. I'm gonna live for others. I'm gonna make sure that the people, the children God's given to me are going to be blessed. And hey, on Mother's Day, I think it's so important that we remember that a self-centered society is a doomed society. Any group of people that buy too much into this thought that I am to myself, I live to myself, I, I'm, I benefit my own family or my own life or my own preferences, and I'm not gonna sacrifice for anybody else. That is the beginning of the end. It is the beginning of the end. And we see in our society today amazing things, and we also see some very dangerous trends. I mean, I sat on the plane the other day, actually leaving Whangarei and flying uh, somewhere else, I'm not sure where, but I was on the plane leaving Whangarei and when I got on the plane, I was seated next to a guy who's in charge of a lot of the New Zealand fire service. And he was explaining to me the ratio of paid firemen versus volunteer firemen in New Zealand. And the odds are overwhelmingly in the favour of volunteer fireism. But he's saying the great challenge that they're facing is that volunteerism in the fire service is going down. We know in the lifeguards, it's going down. We know in pretty much every area, whether it be Plunkett or whether it be you know, school help or whether it be coaching in football teams or whether it be you know, uh, in so many different areas. I mean, praise God that in our church, volunteerism's going up, but in so many sectors of society, volunteerism is going down. Why? Because increasingly the pressure to achieve the city dream of what it means to have the LED television and the centrally heated house and the holiday annually in a warmer climate or whatever is escalating the need for people to burrow out, to forget the world, to entrench themselves in their own life. And this is not just a good thing. This is a dangerous thing. Why? Because when we don't engage in village life, when we don't engage with otherness, in the world that is around us, we give birth to dysfunction. I mean, I don't know about you, but I reckon if we went around this room, in fact, why don't we do it? Who in this room reckons they'd be really stuffed up if it wasn't for the love of their mother? Could you lift up your hand? I mean, I've got both up. I mean, honestly, my mum had to work double time on me. I mean, I know, I know that we're, we're joking about it. and we, we, it, is, it is laughable, but it's also true, right? that a mother just comes alongside you, the identity messages you receive, the love and nurture you receive, the sense of your valuable that you receive from your mother, that sense that somebody's got their time to spend with you, to hear what, someone who's actually interested when you're having a good day or a bad day, that there is somebody in the world that when they ask you, how is your day? They actually want the answer 
That's what a mother brings, right? And if we strip all of that away, when we find children that haven't had that love and nurture, we always find dysfunction, true? And we know, we know that if we're gonna correct dysfunction in our communities, that the only way you cure dysfunction is you surround it by function. You don't take somebody who's been abused their whole life and send them on a course and they pop out the other end healed. You give them a lot of normal people that are gonna live around them, accept them, you know, bring a small measure of correction, but just a lot of nurture and a lot of example and a lot of, hey, this is what functional society looks like. And along the way, that dysfunctional person walks the journey towards becoming whole, meaning that village life is the only way we keep a country in which we wanna live in. I mean, we all wanna live in New Zealand. People all over the world wanna live in this country. And we gotta remember that the reason why is not because of a city value. What got us to this amazing blessed state is village life. And what will keep this country a desirable country is village life. When people are committed to living life with one another, that's how you end up in a kind of society that you wanna live in. If you believe that, can you just say loud, yeah, that's great. Um, you know, without, without, without village life, without volunteerism, without people concerned about others, we just make the welfare bill higher. Um, you know, we increase the flow through, through social services. We just, we just pass on the responsibility for somebody else and along the way, it will bite. We'll all have to pay more taxes to pay more services that you don't wanna pay for. And we have to look at the person in the mirror and say, if I actually just was more maternal, if I was just more committed to caring about the people that are around me, we could all be part of the answer instead part of the problem. And I think when it comes to Mother's Day, this is an amazing opportunity for us to remember mums because even though when we're, we're gathered around the Bible this morning in a church service, it's important to remember that even though God is our Father, He describes Himself in maternal ways. In Psalms, He said, I have longed to gather you like a hen. That's a female bird, right? A hen gathers her chicks. He said, I wanted, I wanted to embrace you. I wanted to bring you close. I wanted community with you. I wanted to be a village with you. In fact, when you think about you know, religion, Christianity, what it means to be the ultimate Christian, we've only got one verse in the Bible that gives you ultimate Christianity. It's James 1.27. It's gonna pop up on your screens. And it says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. In other words, if you wanna be a great person, don't let the messages that are being sent your way to be a city person who only cares about me. This incredibly materialistic view that comes at us that says, go after your needs, go after your wants. Don't ever consider what somebody else needs. Live for your own prosperity. Don't let the world corrupt you. If you want your Christianity to be genuine and real, then open up your eyes, look at the people that are around you and care about that widow and care about that orphan. That's the heart of God, amen? Come on. And so today I, I wanna talk to us about what it means to be, um, you know, what, what we can learn from mother, uh, mothers about being in a village life, what it means to have a village mentality. And the first thing I think that we can learn 
from mothers and from Deborah about reinstating village life in our community is we've gotta be committed to doing life with others. Doing life with others. If motherhood is anything, it is, it is a commitment to going the extra mile to be there with people when they need us to be there. Doing life with others. I mean, you know, whenever our kids have been in hospital, it's always been Jillian that stayed overnight, right? Not just because, you know, um, she's, you know, whatever, but because, uh, you know, doesn't have a full-time job or whatever, but because it's always Jillian that puts up her hand and says, I wanna be there, I wanna be part of that, I'm not gonna, you know, when, when our calendars are pressurised, it's Gillian that will always say, I'm cancelling that, we're not doing that, we're gonna bring it back, we're gonna be there for these kids. And motherhood is refusing to accept an island life, a little life that, I'm using island in the sense that I'm my own little silo, I'm living for myself. So many Pacific people in our church, I just wanna make sure um, we're getting this one right. <laughs> yeah, island people are village people. They got this on lockdown, right? This is a message for all the white people in our church. Okay, I'm out of jail. Praise God, I made it. Navigated it. <laughs> Motherhood is a commitment to doing life with others. And I believe that what we need if our society is gonna be functional is a commitment from all of us to say in that arena, we are gonna allow motherhood to inspire us, that we're gonna be committed to doing life with others. We're gonna be present, we're gonna be engaged, we're not just gonna put ourselves in these little cities, but we're gonna show up, we're gonna front up, we're gonna be involved, we're gonna care for people, we're gonna love on others. We are going to let our lives be lived with, in a connected way with others who are just gonna be blessed by the fact that we did life with them. Walking the journey of life with somebody else is perhaps the greatest way that we can affect change. I honestly think that one of the greatest ways we can change the world is by not just giving money to charity, but by giving time to somebody. Doing life with others is perhaps the greatest gift that we can give another, and it's certainly how we can keep village life working. The second way that I think we can keep the village alive and the way that we can learn from others is that we can believe in others do life with others, but then we can believe in others. You know, if there's one great thing that a mother brings, it's gotta be their unwavering belief that their child is absolutely awesome. You gotta love this talking with mums, don't you? I mean, I mean, I love it because it's not like their, their, their glasses aren't tinted in a negative way. I think their glasses are illuminated in a God-inspired way. But, you know, they'll, they'll talk to you about their kid and they'll be like, oh, you know, the other day they did this and, you know, and you know what's coming, you know what's coming. Oh, they did this and they solved this mathematical equation or, you know, they painted within the lines or whatever. And the moment the parent starts it, you know, the end of this conversation is gonna pinnacle in this moment where the parent says, I think the child is a genius. Is that not true? 
That's where it's going. It's absolutely where the end is going. This kid is gifted. This gift is brilliant. This gift is a protege. I mean, my wife Jillian goes to watch Will play soccer the other day and she texts me and she's like, he is the best kid in this team. He's absolutely the best kid in this. He's brilliant. He's amazing. I mean, he is pretty good at soccer, but the truth is, you know, it's just that mother thing that just believes in that kid that makes them think that they're absolutely awesome. And if there's one thing that we could bring to others, I reckon it would be that belief, that belief, you are special, you are unique, you are treasured, you are loved, you are brilliant in some way. And if there's one thing that especially every New Zealand kid needs, it's somebody who believes in them. I mean, Moses' mother, looked at a newborn baby. I've seen truckloads, I'm a pastor. Newborn babies is where we live. They all look the same. I mean, I'm not being rude, but they're all the same. Slightly cone-haired, you know what I'm saying? Kind of spreads out again. But Moses' mother looks at Moses and says, this is no ordinary child. I mean, what is that? That's a mother's belief. Um, you know, last, last Saturday, not, not yesterday, but the week before I was away on church tours and uh, I made a mistake. And so are the other two coaches. I'm one of the coaches, which is just a great source of stories at the moment. I'm one of the coaches of Will's soccer team from my vast experience of sport. Help me, help me, people. But anyway, uh, you know, I'm, I'm helping coach Will's soccer team and I was away and I thought that I was gonna be there. So the other two coaches were also away. So on Friday afternoon, I caught up Harry Slade who's one of our children's preachers and communicators and kind of like a key leader in our children's ministry. And he's the one that all the kids have a crush on. And so, uh, that's actually true. And so, and so I called up Harry and I said, Harry, can you help me out? I, I need you to coach my son's soccer team the next day. So Harry had already been to see a game or two. And so he came down to the pitch and you know, he, he led the charge. And so uh, the first game, the team got beaten. I think it was one uh, nil. So they, they're, they're a bit discouraged. They come off the field. So Harry gets them all in the circle. And again, he's a children's communicator. Not, most soccer coaches aren't, but he gets them all. I'm, it's like putting it mildly. Um, <laughs> Most, most of it is angry dads, let's be honest. <laughs> Trying to live out their own frustrated competitive reality through their children and have somewhere in the distant background forgotten that it's actually just supposed to be about kids having fun. Um, so, so Harry managed to remember that these are not the Hurricanes or the Phoenix. Um, and he sits them down and he just went through every single child and he praised them for something that they did. So there's like, they play two games, so 25 minutes each. So after the first one, they're beat, they got beat, praised every single kid for something good that they did that game. Well, they got back out onto the next game and they won 4-1. The biggest majority win they have had so far. And you know what? It just struck me, it just struck me that all these kids needed was just somebody to tell them that they could do it just somebody to believe in them. Do you know why 80% of children in New Zealand stop playing sport? It's been surveyed by New Zealand sports. 80% stop because of the coach. (laughs) 
that 80% of children in New Zealand stop having fun because somebody didn't believe in them. And I reckon that what we need is a lot more just encouragement. Why do you think, why do you think most of the people who want idol or talent, New Zealand's got talent, America, England, doesn't matter what country you go to, why nearly everybody wins, it's a Christian. Because somebody's in their corner from the time they're 10 going, you are actually really special. And if we could just pass that on to everybody in our society, I reckon we could reinstate village life. I reckon we could change the world. Come on. The third way that I think we can learn from others and I think the third way that we can reinstate village life is we can stand with others. You know, if there's one thing that mums are just brilliant at, it's just, it's just kind of just being there even when there's nothing to do. Just be in there, you know? I mean, my whole life I've struggled to sleep. In fact, my best years of sleep in my life have probably been the last three. But all my life I've struggled to get to sleep and it started when I was about maybe 11 years old. And I remember seasons when I couldn't sleep as a child and my mum would just sit beside my bed. She didn't even do anything. I mean, I think I remember it because I'm sure that she was there for like hour and maybe longer just when I couldn't sleep, she'd just sit there so that I could just, I don't know, just switch off and find a way to get to sleep. And it struck me that that sacrifice of time just to actually turn up is probably one of the greatest things you can ever do for somebody. I mean, it may shock you to, to know that in my gift mix, I'm not actually very pastoral. I mean, just recently we did these personality profiles uh, for our key staff members in Arise and for Mercy, I get 3%. (laughs) Out of a possible score of 100, I have 3% of Mercy. And I like to remind people that after Jillian's had that 3%, there's no left for anybody else. (laughs) She probably needs more, I'll be honest with you. How are you, baby, sick? All right, well, I'm just going to the office. I mean, you know. I need help, pray for her. Um, But you know, and so for me, turning up at the hospital when people are sick has always been something that I'm very nervous about doing because I don't know what to say. I mean, I go there with people who do and I just feel even worse. Um, You show up at the Bible with some really caring, genuine person and I'm just like, well, I I should have said that. And I'm just... How are you? That's probably not good. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's not helpful when you've got no answers. But you know what I've learned is, I've learned is that um, I actually don't have to be good at it, but what people remember is the fact that you just showed up. You know, you don't have to say a lot in life to make a difference in somebody's life. You don't have to, you don't have, to have the right words to be a brilliant village person. But what you do have to do is just show up. Just be present, be engaged, not, not just hide yourself away, but just be in go, engaged and involved in what God is doing, and, you know, sorry, and what somebody's doing in their life. I mean, you know, I shared a, a pretty bad story about my first soccer coaching experience the other day. And uh, Reese, you know, was uh, like chairman of the Hurricanes for many years. And, like, he, he calls me up and he's like, you know, sends me an email and says, John, you need to know that just turning up is what these kids need. They just need somebody that shows up. And I want you to be encouraged today that you can be a brilliant person that can 
can make a lot of change in a lot of people's life if we can just be there. You don't need to understand the sport. You don't need to have a lot of commentary. In fact, sometimes the best people who show up are those who shut up. It's just about being present, showing that you care when people need you is one of the greatest ways that we communicate love. And the fourth thing, this is one I'm gonna close with, is sacrifice for others. One of the biggest things that we can do for village life is we can just sacrifice for somebody else, give of our time. Isn't that the most remarkable thing about a mum? That they'll go without what will be best for them in order to be a blessing to their children. Just to care for their kids, they'll go without a whole lot of stuff. I mean, they'll be the one that'll stay hungry if there's only so much food for the kids to eat. They're the ones that will go without getting their hair done if their children need some new shoes. It's mothers that sacrifice their own time and their own energy. And because of that, they are a blessing, a profound blessing to generations that follow after them. But you know what? I reckon that every single one of us has got to, got to, got to sacrifice for others if we're gonna play our role in society. If we're gonna make a difference in somebody else's world, we must be committed to a life of sacrifice. Why do I know that? Because Jesus said in John 15, 13, that no greater love has someone than this, that they would lay down their life for their friends. And God's looking for somebody that is going to sacrifice for another. This is what Jesus was saying. He's saying, hey, there is a world full of problems. Everybody's lost in their own sin. They cannot find their way to heaven. Their own wrongdoing has sentenced them to hell. And because they are fundamentally flawed in their life, there's no way that they can do enough good to erase the bad. So a loving God said, I'm gonna step into their lives, step into their world. I'm gonna pay a price that they cannot pay. And Jesus laid down His life for us. And because Jesus laid down His life for me and for you, we can all find access into heaven. We're all forgiven of our sin. We all have a new promise restored. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we enjoy a great quality of life because He was willing to sacrifice. Yet the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that for the joy set before Him, Jesus was willing to endure the cross. So His sacrifice wasn't because He just wanted to be kind of like this self-abasing, horrible person who didn't think the world, you know, he did it because he saw what he could do for you on the other side of it. And isn't that why a mother goes without? Because every person that's living a whole life today, every person that's enjoying a blessed life today, at some point or another, a mother decided that they were gonna sacrifice of their energy, their time, so that you could have a better life. And I reckon that what God is looking for is a group of people that are going to say, I will sacrifice for another. I'll pay a price so that somebody else can have a great life. And you know what, guys? It is the sacrifice of Deborah that she said, hey, 
I'm not going to live to me, but I'll actually lead the troops of Israel in battle that led to a restored village life for Israel. And I, I think we can all be part of that sacrifice. We can all go out of our way to sacrifice for others so that their life can be restored. And that's what it means to embrace motherhood as being an inspiration in our lives. And I've got kind of like a few prayers for today. My, my first prayer is that we would just stop thinking perhaps that city life is the bee's knees and realize it for what it is. A bunch of people trying to sell you products, exploding your ambitions and desires in order to get you to just buy another couch and just realize the couch is nothing, but the person sitting on it is everything. And just decide that we're gonna embrace the village I really want to just pause and give some thanks in this service, both in Whangarei and here in Wellington, for every mother that is committed to the village. You're amazing. We're motherhood like a badge of merit. Your children rise and call you blessed. You should be seated in places of honour. It's the greatest calling. Perhaps is the most important role there is in all of society is the birth and nurture of new life, isn't it? It's the nurturing of generations. Can we just pause right now? Just put our hands together. Can we thank every single mom? Come on. Come on. Oh. You're amazing. We love you. We're so thankful for you. And as we just remember every mum today, can we be inspired that all of us are gonna be committed to the village and just love on some people as well? Before I close the service, I'd love to do one final thing and that's I'd love to pray because I know that in this service this morning, As I finished, I began to describe for you the greatest sacrifice that anybody has ever made. And that is the sacrifice of our Saviour, Jesus. Jesus, God's only Son, came to this world pure and blameless and without fault. And the reason why He came is because we are all sinful. And if we are sinful, then we cannot find access into heaven. Heaven is commonly thought to be a destination for good people. It's not. If heaven was a place for good people, then heaven would be the same as earth because it's hard to find a person out there who's anything other than some variance of good. Heaven is perfect. It's not real, it's ideal. It's ideal. It's real, but it's not real in the sense that we're all gonna get real. It's ideal. And it's a place for perfect people. That's why heaven is the destination where all sorrow and mourning will flee away, where God will be able to wipe away every tear from your eye because there's no pride, no jealousy, no bitterness, no loathe, no raging, 
no, no anger, no, no animosity, no greed. It's, it's perfect. And people who are flawed can't get there. So Jesus came to this earth because for our imperfections, our destination is then hell. But Jesus came and He died on a cross. And when He died on that cross, He died for the sins of the world. Make it personal. Jesus died for my wrongdoing, for my sin, for what sentences me to hell Jesus died. Jesus died for what sentences you to hell. And when He rose from the grave and He ascended on high, now because He's made the way towards heaven, I can find the way towards heaven with His death paying the price for my own sin and the same for you. And I reckon maybe there are people that have come to the service today who are saying, John, I don't have a relationship with Jesus in my life. The only way that the sacrifice of Jesus makes the way for you and I to go to heaven is when He becomes the personal Saviour of our lives, when we decide that we're gonna let Him into our lives. We call it a personal relationship. When we say, Jesus, I'm not gonna ignore you. I'm not gonna be kind of, you know, ambivalent towards your deeds, but I'm gonna personalise it. I'm gonna say, Jesus, you died for me. You paid my price so I can be forgiven. And today I receive you into my life. Come to me, be my Lord, be my Saviour. That moment, your sin is forgiven and heaven is your home. And I reckon there must be a bunch of people who are hearing this message this morning who are saying, John, I don't have my own personal relationship with Jesus. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a follower of God. If that's you, my friend, I would love to pray for you that today you could start your own journey of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. God loves you. He brought you to the service today because He wanted you to know how much He loves you. And there's nothing you've done that can ever, ever separate you from His love. But all that is needed is for a person to welcome Jesus in. And I reckon there's a lot of people hearing me today who are saying, John, I need my own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not a Christian. I'd love to finish this service this morning by praying a prayer with you that I believe has the power to change your life forever. Can I ask right now if every person in Whangarei, online at home here in Wellington, can you please just close your eyes and bow your heads in a moment of prayer. There are people all over these services this morning and maybe seated in the lounge room or whatever hospital bed this morning watching online who are saying, John, I need Jesus Christ in my life. I'm not a, I'm not a Christian right now. I don't have my own personal relationship with God. You've come to the service and you know that you need Jesus in your life. If that's you and you wanna pray this prayer with me, then in just a minute, I'm gonna ask you to take one of your hands and to lift it up in the air. Whether you're in Whangarei, here in Wellington, at home even, can you just take one of your hands in a minute and lift it up in the air? I want you to lift it because I wanna know who I'm praying this prayer with. Once everybody's lifted their hands, we're gonna pray a prayer and I believe it can change your life. But there are people all over the building, all over Whangarei at home who are saying this morning, John, I'm in the service, but I'm not a Christian. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand. I'm not, a, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I want you to lift your hand. I once was a Christian. I walked away from God. I want you to lift your hand. I've got no idea whether I'm a Christian or not. I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand. 
then once everybody's lifted their hand, we're gonna pray a prayer together. But I believe there are many, many people have come to the service and today you're saying, John, I don't know Jesus. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a follower of God. I know that today I need my own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, my friend, no matter where you are, in the auditorium or in Whangarei or at home, I want you to take one hand and I want you to lift it up in the air right now. Lift it up, lots of hands going up. Lift it, thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep lifting, I need Jesus. God bless you on the ground floor. In Whangarei, lift it, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know there are many, many more. There's about another 30 or 40 people at least. Come on, lift that hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep lifting it today. I need Jesus in Whangarei. Lift it at home. Lift it in the balcony base here in Wellington. Come on. In Fordham North up there. Come on. Lift your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Still more. Still more. I know because right now your heart is beating. You know God is calling you. You need your own personal relationship with Jesus. Thank you. Down there in the front. Somebody else. Lift that hand. God bless you up there in the balcony. In Whangarei. Still more. Lift it up right now. Say yes to Jesus. Lift up that hand. Come on, I'm gonna give you about five more seconds. Thank you. Four, keep lifting it. Come on, three, thank you. Somebody else, thank you. Keep lifting it. Two, lift that hand up right now. God bless you up the very back. One, lift it right now, come on. Fantastic, thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise God, praise God. Half a second for one more. I reckon there's somebody in Whangarei right now. Thank you. Somebody in Whangarei just knows you're still yet to lift your hand. Fear and pride are trying to tell you, keep that hand down. But I'm telling you, don't let the devil rob your life. Lift up your hand, say yes to Jesus. Awesome, 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 awesome. So good. Thank you. Come on, no matter where you are this morning, we're gonna pray a prayer in just a second. In Whangarei, I'm gonna hand you back to either Aaron or Levi. He's gonna come out right now and they're gonna lead you in this prayer and talk with you for a minute. We wanna give you a gift from us, the church. But if you're online or you're here in Wellington, every head bowed, every eye closed, and let's pray a prayer to Jesus together right now. You repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to You. I need You in my life. I'm lost without You. I ask You, Jesus, Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin. I thank you, Jesus. When you died on the cross, you died for me so I can be forgiven. Today I receive your forgiveness, your love in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and John Cameron, go to arise.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at John Cameron NZ and at Arise Church.